to the Take Your Data Points and the Goals Will Come podcast. I'm Cahill, and with me as always is Brian. Hello! Back in it again. We're recording from our two separate, not-so-secret locations. Dublin and Cork. We're going to talk hurling, as we always do. So last weekend, we had the two remaining provincial semi-finals. You called them both correctly, I called one correctly. Definitely an interesting weekend. One match definitely more interesting than the other, but we'll get... The predictable match out of the way first, which was Galway versus Offaly in O'Moore Park. Galway 33 points, Offaly 111. We predicted this would be very one-sided, and it was. And Offaly did not disappoint in this respect. <laughs> no. I was watching the highlights on the Sunday game, and afterwards, I can't remember his exact phrasing of it, but the Offaly manager basically said, sure. you know, a lot of people before the match, they didn't give us a chance in hell, and... Well, I suppose they were right. That sums up how sad Offaly's hurling, and, and GA in general, has just gotten over the last number of years. It's just, like, you don't start an interview with that. Like, you try and no. make something of it. Dear God, like, just conceding that, just yeah, they ha- they never had a hope. Some optimism. It's just sad. Just some optimism of, oh, we'll, we'll fight it out in the qualifiers. You know, or we're not gone yet, or you know, there's a, we can work, we can use this as to work on it. And it was, it wasn't even like, you know, lying to yourself, but putting on a brave yeah. face. You can't even team. say, you know, well, we kept it close for a bit, and we've learned a lot from it because, like, you don't learn a lot when you're when the other team has more than double no. your score. When the other team has scored thirty three points without getting any goals to do so. Yeah. From a even from a time management perspective, that's actually quite impressive. Yeah. In Galway. I thought what was really telling, actually, was about the Offaly manager whose uh, name escapes me now. It was a very forgettable match on the whole, anyway. But he even was like, in the about when he was talk, asked about the qualifiers, he even seemed doubtful about the qualifiers. It was just a case of nothing can be salvaged from this burning car wreck. You, you know, yeah. no, absolutely nothing. Like, he didn't even seem to believe that they'd have any sort of a chance at the qualifiers, which, to be fair, they don't. But, yeah. like, you, you know, there was no positive note for him. I just actually thought, if any man needed a cup of tea and a biscuit and a bit of a chat, that man needed it at that stage. I think we need to start a Kickstarter, raise money for uh, tea and biscuit for the Offaly management oh, team. Man, like, they, they honestly need it. I'd say the whole team probably needs a bit of a tea and biscuit. Or, or my Waddy and fucking Marietta Biscuits, as the case may call for. Yeah. When Wexford gets sick of Davy, maybe Offaly could be his next project. I mean, that would now be... that would really show Davy's ability as a manager if he could make something of Offaly at the moment. Because yeah, things just haven't been going right for them. You know, when people look back to this episode, and would you be generous with say four years' time, they're going to be like, "Wow, that was awfully prescient." You know, who knew? <laughs> Who knew that after that podcast they called every single game correctly every single time? Yeah. Who knew that after a shaky twenty seventeen Kilkenny just got good again? Yeah. And awfully um, suddenly I... suddenly <laughs> returned back to their nineteen ninety eight form. <laughs> I suppose to get into details of this match. It yeah. wasn't all terrible for Offley because their opening score was a goal from Ushin Kelly, who we've mentioned before seems to be one of the few promising uh, young players for Offley lately. Which is Essentially, you're maturing to take Shane Dooley's role when Shane Dooley retires. Uh, I imagine that's what they're hoping for. So yeah, he opened up the scoring with a goal, and that's about when the good times ended for Offaly. Uh, Goal, they just started firing in the points. 
they weren't down by too much at halftime, but, you know, it just kept getting, the, the gap kept getting wider and wider. And I suppose it's summarized again, you know, you look at how many players scored. Awfully, in total, their total score was 14 points, you know, one on mm. So nine of that came from Shane Dooley. Jesus. Three came from Ushin Kelly's goal. And that just leaves two points between two different players for the entire rest of their score. Honestly, for the 13 other players, himself and Ushin Kelly probably just should have piggybacked half the team along with them. Yeah. Every single match, it's... Shane Dooley's going to put his back out carrying this team so long. Every single match, like... And you can't say you just can't get disheartened just losing all the time to teams that, you, you know... Shane Dooley could well end up like their highest ever scorer because no one else is doing it for the team. But he'd be their, like their highest scorer ever without getting any kind of notable success with the team. Yeah. If we're not careful, we'll have like a Shane Dooley corner if we're not careful. We will, because he's the only one really to talk about most of the matches, unless Ocean Kelly does something, which, you know... In fairness to him, usually he can kind of he kind of gives a good gives a good account. For Galway... Yeah, to contrast that, Galway had nine different players scoring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> top scorers were Canning, as usual, and Connor Whelan, who both scored seven. So on top four, Marini, both of them. Yeah. And of the nine players who scored as well, eight of them scored more than once. That's amazing. Like, usually you might have a back or a midfield, you know, a, a back or someone come on, they might give a point, you know, they might be subbed on, give a point, and that might be all you hear from them for the match in terms of a score, but, like, for for all nine of those players to give, like, at least more than one point is, that's pretty impressive. It is. I've mentioned before that, you know, I, I did the kind of uh, shooting analysis before for one of the articles uh, where I made shot charts. And I kind of found Galway tend to be a volume scoring team. You know, they don't necessarily have the most accurate shooters, but they just, they get a shot as soon as they're able and it just kind of builds up. And wear teams down. This is what it looks like, I suppose, when they get no opposition uh, (laughs) on the defensive end, when they're just, when they're given so much room to score on all of those shots and they just end up 33 points from nine different players. I suppose it was really like a calibration, wasn't it? Like it was just they were yeah. calibrating their shots just for for their upcoming match against Wexford. Like once we saw the draw, we knew Galway. They were just kind of going through the motions, mm. getting ready for the Leinster final. Like their toughest match was against Dublin, and that one they kind of cruised through. This again, uh, you know, it really was shooting practice for them. I suppose going forward for Galway now, Leinster final should be great. Mm. No Kilkenny there, which is always. You know, just more nice change, more fun for uh, yeah, nice change for provincial final uh, in Leinster. Yeah, I, I think it should be a good final. I think Galway will go in as favourites, but Wexford have definitely shown they're not they're not winning through flukes here. Like they're a genuine yeah. team, and I think as well, just Wexford they've the panels kind of gotten bigger over the last uh, year or two. You know, they, I think physically they should be one of the few teams who could put it up to Galway. Yeah, I I think there's definitely I think I think they definitely made their case against their last match in Kilkenny in terms of the physicality in terms of the physicality they can bring to a match. What I would say as well is that Wexford will not lie down in the match. They will no. stay in it to the very end with Galway and will really make them work. Yeah, which is exactly what happened to the league and 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 Wexford came away with the win in that instance. Yeah, like and I think this time this time round with the Leinster final, I think. You know, both teams are going to be working very hard 
I don't think it's going to be like a one-sided slaughter like with Offaly. I'd be very surprised. And I think David Fitzgerald, look, is going to relish the challenge as well. Like, I mean, for him, they're already into they're already into quarterfinal no matter what he does, so... Interesting side note on Davey, actually. He said in recent interviews he's considering maintain, he's considering keeping the Davey box. Apparently he liked the view that he got up there, and uh, he thinks maybe he might uh, switch it up, go up and down between his box and the sidelines as the, as the match goes on from now on. I think, like, you'd nearly deprive the audience of a full 70 minutes of Davey. You know, that's what re- people really want to see. You know, well, that's at least anyone, else, any neutral observer wants to see. I mean, that will definitely be missed. But I just think, you know, he continues to build his his legend of oddness and increases my fascination with him. But, you know, he, he comes away from a band saying like, you know what, kind of likes that. Uh, kind of like, you know, that band there. I, I think I'll try and reenact it. I know he's like... It's, it's like there's a trope in lots of action films lately where the villain purposefully gets themselves caught so that mm. then they're on the inside and they can work their evil plan or whatever. And it's like Davy has watched all these films and thought, now there's an idea. I might try this out. I'll get myself banned and then I'll get a better view of the game so I can improve my analysis. He, he truly is an interesting man. Like, I can, you, you just can't doubt, you can't say he's not fascinating or he doesn't draw people's attention. Definitely not. So, Galway and Wexford... It's going to be a big match. It's going to be an interesting match. It's certainly one I'm going to look forward to. I think either way, both teams definite uh, contenders to reach the semi-finals this year. Oh. Both of them. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, obviously one of them will. But yeah, cer- certainly I think both teams would be a lot of people's favorites to get into semi-finals. And I think Galway maybe to go the whole way this mm. year. You know, Offaly haven't uh, found any weaknesses in them anyway. And in terms of Offaly then? You know, we we were saying earlier the manager, whose name I can't remember either uh, off the top of my head. Poor man. Yeah. You know, he didn't seem that optimistic about the qualifiers. But you know what? I'm looking through who they could play. And I have to agree. Like, they can't play Westmeath because they played them already. Yeah. So that leaves for them as potential options. Winner of Leash Carlo, mm. which I'd say is their best chance. Even then, I'd give them maybe 50-50 chance against Leash. And if Carlo beat Leash then that Carlo team's obviously good enough to beat Offaly, too. Yeah. Uh, so 50-50 chance there. They could play against any of the Munster losers, which would be Limerick, Waterford, Tipperary. I don't think they could beat any Certain of them. Certain elimination if they're drawn against a Munster yeah. team. That's that's it, really. Their only other two options would be Dublin and Kilkenny. So, you know, I don't think there's a single match where they would be definite, comfortable favourites. God. And, you know, e- even including the weaker teams like Leisha Carlo, I still don't think that would put Offaly as a definite favourite. The old, uh, the, old, the grand old tradition of a GAA walk-off, you know, doesn't look so silly now, does it really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, it really does show, though, how, how far Offaly have fallen, because uh, we've talked a lot about the league structure and how many teams should be in each division, etc. But mm. like, Offaly are definitely closer in ability to the upper 2A teams than they are the upper 1B teams at this point. Yeah. Even though they're playing in 1B, there's more between them and, say, Galway or Limerick than there is between them and, say, Carlo. Yeah, and I know, like, it, it's, I know it sounds like we're harping on, we're harping on about Offaly, but, like, I mean, God, I don't think there's a person from Offaly that doesn't think, that doesn't think the same, like, that, you know, where they are at the moment is rock It's just rock shocking bottom. how, how far they've fallen for a team that was good as recently as they were. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like they've been good lately. It's been probably, you know, 15 to 20 years. But still, to fall that far, I think, 
Because I, I can't think of any other yeah. county who's in as bad a position who was good as recently. If you take Clare or Cork, who were, you know, they had a great heyday, well, like Clare in the 90s, in the mid to late 90s, Cork in the 99, early 2000s, you know. And a they, lot of other times, historically. Exactly. And now you come back, you come back to present, and they've, they're kind of, you know, they've resurged, they've resurged, and they've had their, you know, they've had a few, ni- they've had some nice wins, and, you know, yeah. uh, they've had some nice wins. I mean, you nice could argue Wexford and... were in a similar position all too recently, but I think Wexford were still cut above Offaly in the last few years, and now they've mm. kind of made their leap, whereas Offaly just don't look like they have any, even potential. You know, Wexford even managed a few upsets to hint at what they were capable of over the last few years. Offaly haven't even shown that. And they also have, like, a wider panel to draw on, like, that will score. You know, they have yeah. players, they have options. And they have an underage system that's going to support growth for Wexford. Awfully, got like I really, yeah, I don't know what can you what can you say really? Like they, we said it before. There just needs to it just needs to be looked into. That's not good enough. I wouldn't be happy if I was from Offaly, and that's what that's what was being put out. Yeah, I mean, like if they're not going to, if they're not careful, they're just going to fade even further into obscurity, and that's going to be it. Yeah. Like it's very hard to you know once you're kind of out of the premier tier of championship hurling, you know then it's very hard to get back and even Definitely. harder to make inroads in the championship. Yeah, we've discussed awfully enough. They're not going to go much further in this championship. Hmm. Galway should be interesting, but uh, we'll look for, talk about the Leinster final once that's coming up. I think really Leinster overall, I thought was maybe slightly disappointing in terms of Galway's. Leg Galway had too easy a of Leinster to was just far too far too easy. Like yeah, Wexford and Kilkenny, you know that you like Wexford obviously had a harder harder challenge ahead of them. But like I mean, yeah, like it was it wasn't exactly what I call a closely contested. There weren't exactly closely contested matches bar the Kilkenny Wexford match, and even then that wasn't exactly. Kilkenny didn't really think look like they had it in them to come away with a with a win. So as we've discussed, you know, and probably you know, look as time goes on anyway, Kilkenny will resurge back to their former glory. I've no doubt about that, and it'll be even more competitive. So, but yeah, this year I think uh, I don't think it's been anything to write home about. Other than Wexford, Kilkenny, yeah, yeah. say there haven't been many good close matches in this. Whereas you compare it to Munster, you know, okay, the Clare Limerick one maybe wasn't, uh, you know, that was an easy route to the final. But um, mm. nice segue here, looking into what's happening with Cork's run to oh. the Munster final. Uh, they previously took out last year's champions, and now they're after taking out another of the semi finalists. Yeah. Cork, 23 points, Waterford, 115. Another very good performance from Cork. I have to say, you know, I thought their game against Tip was excellent, it was great fun. You know, they really showed what they're capable of. But now following it up by another game where they really mm. showed, you know, so much energy, dominated possession, great shooting. To have games like that back-to-back, I think we can really... You know, we've been saying all year about Cork's inconsistency. I think we can stop saying it. I think that they are a good... At this stage, they're a very good team. And if they have a bad game, it's not that they're inconsistent. They just had a flat game like everyone does. I think Cork are back and they're... A contender again and as a Clare fan you know who has to see my team play the Munster final I'm a lot more more nervous after this match than I was before and not to mention knowing the potential slagging I'll get uh, working in an office in Cork <laughs> again another match I called correctly not to 
not to not to brag or anything take that peter uh, <laughs> but um yeah like i think really what cork showed was the same intensity they kind of played with the show when they played tip i think they really from the off it was clear that cork wanted this match and like really really wanted this i thought like look waterford to their credit you know you had the you know you had a fairly solid defense um yeah but i as, thought as you always do with exactly uh, but i thought uh, i thought there was something very lackluster about it i think there was no real cohesion in terms of how they played it just didn't seem to like they just didn't seem to gel like it was all there was some yeah. nice individual performances but it never really seemed to come together i will say so some people have said they were a bit flat and you know mm. while i agree but I, I would also comment it was an incredibly hot day and they were out in the open no shade in helmets so I think it's not surprising maybe that they ran out of energy in the second half. Yeah. But that doesn't answer all the questions we've had, such as, as you said, lack of cohesion, kind of players maybe not, what it looked like not playing in the correct spot for their usual position. Austin Gleeson was a, was a prime example of that. Definitely. And then also on top of that, all the unforced wides. Yeah. Like Cork got a good few wides, but that was because they were usually pressured by the defense. Mm. Waterford just got wides, you know, from open space from freeze you know just really bad misses and i think that's really what stopped them from keeping the game close as it wore on yeah and and i suppose look i just thought really they just didn't convince in terms of it just didn't look like the team as a whole were familiar with the positions they were playing and they didn't look like they were familiar with the the plan or tactic that was there for the match and i suppose look Derek mcgrath was interviewed and he said that uh i'd love to cling to that but i'd be more pragmatic I thought we were chasing it straight down the line. We created chances, but they were bitty chances. Bitty, Cahill. Bitty. <laughs> Just bitty chances. I I, I thought... Um, insult. As well, actually, there was a pretty good interview with him in the Irish Examiner. And, you know, he said, like, the players didn't stick to the plan or we didn't stick to the plan. Now, I'd argue if the plan was winning the match, then they certainly didn't. You'd wonder, like, like all this time off, all this training, the 11 weeks, which I really didn't think helped in terms of the fact that it was no, so they heavily... they were definitely rusty. And some managers, you know, who are very tactic-focused and strategy-focused, like Derek McGrath, I think when you're training under them for 11 weeks without any kind of break, it, you just kind of get numb to it, I think, after mm. a point. It's hard to keep yourself fired up because you're probably just sick of hearing all that at that stage and I, I do think Derek McGrath is a great manager but I think yeah it just that it was too long of a gap uh, between matches for them I think it's just really hard to keep your moment any momentum you have going it did look like they weren't you know they just wanted to give up on the league when they did but um, I don't think that was the right step for them I think they could have done with having more recent matches it certainly didn't pay off and I think yeah. as well the weight of expectation that that sets up by saying oh we're, we're going for the championship. Yeah, you better deliver when you. You better deliver. Like like Cork went out at the same stage, and the difference between them and Waterford now, um, say in the last fifteen minutes of the match, and even you know you look at some of Waterford's good moments. They got a goal to equalize mm. in the second half, and you thought right, you know, because Cork had just strung together a few points in a row. It looked like they were pulling away. Waterford equalized with a goal. It looked right. We're back into it again. Yeah, and they didn't follow it up with anything. No, they just kept getting their wides. Cork just pulled away again and then five or six five, five or six points and then you know yeah. 
like unanswered yeah like there was something like i think it was just like there's a way you set up a weight of expectation and like yeah and you'd argue if you had rehearsed this plan over and over again like where tactics changed up coming up to the match mm. like where was there a whole rewrite done of you know how and, and also go- for for you know teams that focus so much on tactics you know they were level going into half time and mm. it, it seemed you know still like a very close game but Cork were the team that responded better to Waterford, you know, after halftime than the other way around. And I think the team that you'd expect to be tackled and everything, you'd expect them to come out and have a better adjustment. And and I suppose, you know, we've said it a lot before, Waterford aren't great offensively. They can't really get back into it once they start falling behind. And yeah. so once they failed to kind of follow up on that goal, I think that was the end for them. Yeah, no, I, no, I definitely agree with that. Like, I think as well, there just seem to be a number of factors that seem to work away work against Waterford. I mean, like their keeper, keeper, and um, was by far one of their best assets on the day, saving oh, three some amazing, goals. Amazing, amazing saves in the first half. Some pretty good puckouts as well. So, like, I mean, yeah, in, in terms which is of something, both keepers did well actually. Exactly. Uh, it must be said. Uh, Nash, I think, certainly provides a bit of a... I think he's, I suppose, the mascot for the team itself. Like, he seems to provide a lot of leadership there in that role. And I, I suppose we, we dwelt a lot on um, a lot of Waterford's shortcomings, but we have to give credit where it's due to Cork, too. They, mm. you know, they, they had some amazing shooting against a tough offensive team. They didn't score any goals, but they would have probably against most other keepers or even the same keeper on a different day. Yeah. Great, contr- great control of possession and just working it up the pitch you know we we had yeah we had a few good kind of performances mm. scoring wise from people like Lahan and Horgan but someone like Coleman yeah really did a great job just working it up the pitch keeping possession Coleman possession. Coleman Mead Luke Mead yeah. Kingston like all names that were there during the league and just growing really growing into yeah. the roles that they've and they showed given. here even without scoring they can still contribute exactly what i would have said as well is interesting enough i think going into the end of the first half the possession was something like i think it was like cork 47 percent wadford 53 percent looking at the game cork definitely made hay in terms of converting their possession yeah. into points offensively i thought they were just on the ball i thought they were so they were aggressive, they chased after, they chased down slitters, and one thing I really hate to see is defenders kind of nearly half-heartedly jogging over, you know, mm. jogging over to see if they can intercept. And that really bugs me, it really irks me, and I see what team, I, I, see, I, I saw Waterford on that day, I did not see it with Cork. I saw Cork were after every ball, loose ball that was there, and that's what you need to be doing. It's an interesting point because uh, now, like I think we've said before, we don't have the same fiery hatred for the sweeper system that a lot of people have. No, it serves its place. We, you know, I agree with that. But one article I read a while back from Jackie Tyrrell um, on his reasons for disliking it was just that when you're back and you have that extra player, it's kind of less incentive for you, you can often think, well, I have someone else to back me up if I don't get this. It's not the end of the world Yeah. if I don't get this. When you don't have that safety net, it is the end of the world if you don't get it. It's on your shoulders if you don't get it, so you try damn hard to get it. And I think maybe years of playing this defensive system for Waterford, it's maybe catching up in that sometimes you do have those players just kind of slacking off a bit, thinking you know, oh, sure, there's probably someone behind me, it'll probably be okay. And mm. I suppose this combined with the kind of heat where you don't want to have to get up and run, it was a terrible combination. Yeah, 
you know, when, when you have that kind of weather, any kind of part of your mentality that sli- slips and says, you know, ah, it's grand, you don't have to do everything, it's, it's going to end badly. Yeah, like, it, it is just something I do notice with teams, and I think it really, it really irks me to see it, because, I mean, if you're not chasing after free, like, if you're not hounding down forwards, if you're not, like, chasing after loose, uh, loose ball, then I, I don't know what you're doing. Like, uh, you know, why are you there? Definitely an area that Cork have shown extremely good ability as well. You know, it was yeah, the same again. It was the same against Tip, though Tip counteracted it. You know, and, and did the same thing right back at Cork. Exactly. Yeah. This, this Cork team have been extremely good at winning fifty-fifty balls. They really go for everything. If the other team catches it, they don't see it as reason to give up. They will hound them. They will try and get you know minimize the space between them as much as possible. They're just they've just really shown aggressiveness in uh, maintaining possession. And I think there's, uh, you know, I suppose people like me, but, uh, you know, it's becoming more common now to kind of track things like possession, track other stats. And I think as time goes on, we're really going to find possession is what dominates so much more than we've realized Yeah, how hurling matches play out. And this court team are definitely... That plus their shooting, it's hard to beat. It's a, it's a nice combination. I would say, like, if you were to take Waterford and look... I suppose, to the rest of their championship now. They're, okay, so they're out. They're into the qualifiers. They'll probably, you know, they probably they have a good chance. Of, exactly, yeah. They, yeah. They, they'll have a good chance of uh, of winning the first round. I think they're still very much in it. I think it depends on who they get, though. You know, I, I think they'll beat any first round team. Even if it's Kilkenny, I, I think... I think they'd be Waterford able to take have, Kilkenny. Waterford matchup went well to them. I don't think they will trash them but i'd say it'll be a close game either way you know they, mm. it's always been close in the last year or two between the two of them so um i'd give them a fair you know maybe like a 50 50 chance against them other than kilkenny i think they'd beat anyone else they'd come against in the first round mm. and then in the second as long as they don't come up against tip it should be fine tip have them figured out i think yeah i i think there's a worry there i think on the whole anyway i'm not sure if they're going to be getting to where they thought they would I don't think they're going to be getting into an All Ireland final this year. That's that's one thing I'm no, pretty. No, I think now before the match we were questioning, you know, Waterford was the league genuinely lackluster, or were they just saving themselves for the championship? And I think on the basis of this match, you have to lean towards the former that they have taken a genuine step back this year. Now it could have been just a bad day at a really bad time, but. Definitely the evidence is piling up that they have taken a step back this year for whatever reason. They seem to have kind of plateaued really like in terms of, yeah. they just. I don't seem... know if it's that other teams know how to counter them now, you know, what was previously an awkward style mm. or if the players just aren't, you know, responding well anymore. But yeah, something's not right with Waterford at the moment. Last year, I think really was the high watermark. And really, yeah. I just thought maybe, maybe those extra couple of weeks of training with you know really intensive training, just maybe it's not what they needed. Yeah. I thought like there was there was a bit of that last year in terms of you know introduced Derek McGrath saying you know they just forgot about the system at a certain stage in championship last year, and they nearly seemed to do better with it without yeah. it. I actually think now, really, if with this being the position they're in the qualifiers might be the best thing for them because they could do with one or two matches and, you know, maybe one match if everything goes right against kind of a lesser team mm. just to get themselves together, 
figure out a few things, figure out maybe where they've been going wrong, pull themselves together, you know, and, and hopefully be back to mm. be back to some kind of normality by the quarterfinal stage. Yeah. One thing I can say for sure with for like moving to the other side of the coin, Cork going in against Claire, I'm expecting what should be a cracker of a match. If everything goes as we expect it to, should be nice, open, high scoring early. Yeah. On the base of the last two matches now, before I thought it'd be more even. Now I think Cork are probably the team to beat. Like they've taken out two of last year's semi finalists to get there. Mm. Claire only had to beat Limerick. It's it's been a tougher road, no doubt, for Cork. I am a bit nervous now, you know, as as a Clare fan, but yeah, should, I, I'd say it should be a, a great match all the same. And I'd say for any neutral fans, it will be. Yeah, I think it'll, fun. I think it'll be a nice open. I think it'll be a nice open game. I think that's one thing that I'm kind of I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Look, I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna. <coughs> I'm not gonna go against Clare in terms of in a monster final. Even you know, the head and the heart are. Uh, or on opposite sides. No, no, like on... it, it doesn't matter what my real logical feelings are about the match. When it comes time for us to call who we think will win, I'm going to say Claire. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if it's you know realistic or not. But I'm, <laughs> going to say, I'm going to say them. But um, either way, like hoping for some similarities between uh, the most final and say 2013 mm. final in terms of just exciting open play. Yeah, and I think it's something that the Clare team would actually probably relish themselves, the chance for... I think so. Like that heavy defensive style that Waterford pick. I think it's something that frustrates... It can frustrate frustrate Clare immensely and other teams immensely. And I think, it, look, it, it should make for an interesting watch. The one thing I would say about Cork is, I suppose, Conor Lahan looks like he came off injured on that in that game. So there's probably question marks as to how quick a recovery he can make. Well, I mean, I haven't looked it up properly, but I, I think the impression I got was that he should be mm. you know, able to play, but maybe not able to play at 100%. So Yeah, and the second thing I would say is discipline. I thought there were some very silly yeah, tackles. Yeah, that red card. I had actually forgot until you mentioned it. Yeah, they got a red card towards the end. It was totally unnecessary. They had the match won at that stage. I suppose they were lucky that Waterford were flat enough that they weren't able to make anything of... Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, they were in no position to... It was a very silly thing to give up. Now, I mean, it wasn't a straight red. It was a second yellow, but it, it, I think running into another player while they were already airborne, essentially, which, you know, it's dangerous, it's silly. You don't need to do that. You and know, and, and, and to be able to win ball from that, like it's not that you know you can always just wait for him, to, you know. But you can be on him before by the time he gets back on the ground. Like it's not. Yeah. I I just thought it was an over the top tackle, and I thought I thought like there were a couple of instances of play where I think they definitely depending on what referee you re you get, like you definitely be skirting on the acceptability, you know, on on, yeah. on what's acceptable. Although it has to be said. Waterford had their own. Um, oh, they did. Have their fair share of things that probably should have been uh, red cards or penalties or <laughs> you know whatever. They I did. You can pick the example of your choice. Like they had a few face guard incidents as well. People grabbing mm. players by the by the face guard, which a couple of years back, Podge Collins got a straight off red, straight red. Yeah, like and for, and I mean that should be a straight red, really. Yeah, I think. no, it should be questionable refereeing, but sure. Anyway, it shouldn't detract too much from what I think was an entertaining match. Yeah. Lots to enjoy, particularly from Cork. And before before we move on, I'd like to mention as well, because uh, one of yes. my other unrelated side interests is uh, vexillology, the study of flags. I have to say, time in, time out, Cork fans have delivered some very interesting choices. You know, most 
fans, they bring a flag. They'll just bring, you know, their county's flag. Cork hmm. flags. How about Vietnam? How about on the same flagpole, North Korea and the Southern Confederate flag? The first, the first two, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And the last one is kind of like, <laughs> can we not have the flag that kind of refers to yeah. like no, slave? No, that- I, I, I see where they're coming from because you know, hey, we're in the South, we're rebels. It, you know, there's red on the flag. It makes sense. We have slaves. You, you don't. Yeah, see, we have cotton plantations. Down. You don't want to endorse <laughs> slavery. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's more like Dukes of Hazard as well. Maybe that has a, a, has a thing to do with it, but like, yeah. I think that probably has a lot to do with it. There are probably other flags you could use instead. That... Well, see, I, I've put together this quick list of some of my proposals for other flags, which I think would be appropriate. You grabbed my attention. So we're going to start off with, with, with two on a similar theme, which is Greenland and Denmark. Now, both are, are red and white. How Nordic. Greenland in particular is is very very interesting flag. It's a very nice flag. Google image search for anyone listening. Listen to listen to us describe flags on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, see, by picking a Nordic flag, then you're kind of hinting at the Viking roots of Cork City. Huh? Um, then you know, number three on the list, Alabama. So then you're keeping that Southern U.S. link. You can still say the whole rebel thing, but it's not directly referencing slavery. Yeah. Which. You know, so you're, you're keeping the references, but not going that far. Washington, D.C. flag, another red and white one. You know, another American one, if you just want to have the American influence. And another one, I think, just looks great. You've got some stars, you got some stripes. Yeah. Has it all. Flag. Uh, flag, of, flag of Hong Kong. Now, this is nice. Red background with a white flower in the middle. So, you know, there are a lot of flags with... You know, and, and the southern one, obviously, a, a good example. You know, there's a lot of aggression tied up in that. But mm. how about just a nice flower? You know, because Cork, their current team, they do play quite a quite a skillful, quite a beautiful form of the game. So why not, you know, have a flower to represent that, that kind of prettiness that's, that's there. And then last up, we have uh, Glamorgan in Wales. Uh, nice red background, some white chevrons. They're in roughly the same position as in Wales as Cork is in Ireland so again you know maybe maybe something appropriate there so that is that is Carl's list of red and white flags to use instead of using the confederate flag yeah lads just don't use it like seriously it's just not appropriate it'd be like having the union jack up in the middle of Cork I mean in terms of colour balance they may as well as well because the blue is in there too yeah I mean like use the union jack which as well is, is my issue with the North Korean flag is that, you know, there's as much blue there as there is red, so that it, it may as well have worked for Waterford. I don't know. But yeah. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was a Waterford plant posing as a court fan trying to uh, trying to make them all look like racists, trying to discredit them. <laughs> Those sneaky tactics won't work, Waterford. <laughs> Derek McGrath, back to the drawing board. <laughs> Actually, just a, a quick mention while we're yeah. on the topic of Derek McGrath. I suppose it's not one of those questions that's reached boiling point yet, but it has started to emerge a little bit. Or oh, the rumblings are there. If they get knocked out before the quarterfinals, say, is Derek McGrath gone, in your opinion? Oh, I, th- I think if, if they're not out, that he's gone for sure. There's, you can't have all that talk and then not be able to back it up. And I mean, even for the players, it's like, where are we going? We've been with you for whatever. You said last year was going to be our big year. We made all this effort and we did all this training. And look what where it got us. You know, I think that's just mentally, I think, in the mind of the team. 
and certainly in the mind of the fans they'll be like he needs to go we need to change we need to clean house my opinion on it is i think he is an excellent manager Mm, he is Um, yeah i think he is one of the best hurling minds in the country and i also think he's gone if they don't make the quarterfinals because those things don't matter once people start saying openly he should be gone once you start losing the fans once you start losing the team it's really hard to get back yeah uh, anyone's ear and you know once you once you can't do that it doesn't matter how good your advice is if no one's listening there's no point i think it would be absolutely the wrong move to sack him but i think he is gone if they can't reach definitely if they can't reach the quarterfinals maybe even if they can't reach the semis i think there's a good chance that he's out of there yeah i think there's definitely going to be a swell if if it doesn't if things don't turn right for them i think there definitely is going to be a swell against of opposition against him i think look it's not like Derek McGraw would be able to pick up another management position no problem i think with the off the back of the work he's done He's another one I think who could, might be able to pull together something with Offaly. Yeah, it would be a good way to prove how good he is. Yeah, and I think look, Walford would actually learn, end up missing him as a result. But you know, look, I'm, I mean, you can't always keep a level head, and you know, sport is a sport at times is a game about you know, sport is passionate, sport is you know, yeah. not always level headed and logical either. Not like pewter. No. And actually speaking of, uh, before we get into this weekend's match, I wanted to bring up a few bits of follow-up or side notes. But one I want to bring up is uh, the new program GA NUA, which is kind of looking at uh, how technology is influencing hurling. And I just felt, you know, I don't think you've seen it yet, have you? No, not yet. It is on my to-watch list. I feel like after watching it, I had to at least bring it up on the podcast because it is insanely relevant to... uh, the website take your data points the first episode was all dealing with you know a lot of the match tracking uh player tracking so on yeah i suppose you haven't seen it yet we might talk about it more next week about the program in general i think it is a very interesting program it confirmed a lot of my own suspicions about what they're doing because i suppose unlike a lot of other sports there isn't any public databases of a lot of the information that they have but you kind of knew that they're looking into a lot of different things so this kind of confirmed that mm. Something else I just found interesting with it was that they were kind of showing off one piece of software for match tracking, and I've realized in the course of doing this website, you know, out of my own hobby, not being told to do it by any particular team or whatever, I've basically thrown together some very, very similar looking software. I'm sure mine's a lot buggier and maybe not as full of features. I thought it was very interesting that just I've I've gone for a lot of the same conclusions that they have. Unfortunately, that bit of software, it's for an article that has yet to be written, will probably take quite a long time because it's very time intensive. They even mention the episode each match takes them like 15 hours to analyze. Oh, wow. Um, hopefully it won't take me that long, but it's definitely a, long, a lot of work. Yeah, very interesting, very eye-opening. Obviously, they don't get into too many details because, you know, these are all very secretive things, I imagine, between the teams. But uh, yeah, definitely interesting program for anyone interested in GA analytics as you might well be following this podcast, uh, definitely check it out. There you go, check it out. It's on the it's on the player. It is. That's how I watched it. You you truly are a modern man. I suppose as well. A little bit of follow up on some of the things we discussed uh, in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Mentioned no uh, provincial finals, no monster final for Parky Cueve. They will have the quarter final there, uh, for what it's worth. Though I yeah. don't think it's worth much because I think really Cork. They don't want to be in a quarterfinal. They want to win the Munster final and get to the semi. They want no, Cork won't so, uh, want to see themselves playing in Porky Cueve. That's yeah. definitely... I, I suppose the best they can 
I suppose what they really expect is just Kerry will beat them in the football final and they'll get to play in that quarterfinal. Yeah. Hurling-wise, I don't think they want to know about the option to play there in a quarter. I think they want to go straight for the semi. And then the last point to follow up on what we were saying before, GA Central Council did get together to talk a bit about the proposed championship format change. And Mm. in true GA style, uh, they've opted to properly decide about it in a few months' time. So we'll know by the autumn whether or not they're going to go ahead. They have a month to hear county's proposals and make any amendments, and then be lots of discussion between then and the final decision on it. Looks like a lot of counties are kind of... Uh, mostly the top-tier ha- counties are happy about it. Ones like Galway, obviously happy because they'll get home games, so on. Some of the ones less happy are maybe ones kind of lower down in Leinster who aren't sure whether they'd get to play in Leinster or have to play in that mm. preliminary group. Similarly, then... A lot of the Christy Ring, Nicky Rackard counties aren't so happy about it because, like me, they agree double elimination is more fun for a championship than a single round robin. You know, it's meant to be a championship. Having you know, a round robin followed by a single final, that's a league. That's not a championship. Double elimination, more fun format. Yeah. Also then, to confirm, final bit uh, to note, uh, we were expecting qualifying round draw to be done this week it's actually waiting until the complete completion of this weekend's match due to the fact that one team would be eligible to play anyone whereas leash aren't able to play Westmeath, so they have to wait to see who wins this one before they can do the draw so that draw should be on monday we'll probably discuss the bracket a bit in next in the next episode so i think really to sum up your last two points it's like the ga have decided for sure why decide not what you can why decide now when you can decide later Exactly. Fair enough. And now, for a battle of titans on the <laughs> 18th of June, it's Leash versus Carlo in O'More Park, Port Leash. So, yeah, um, <laughs> it's obviously. It's I tried obviously giving you that not. intro, and you're like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, it's, it's not the most <laughs> exciting match, but it's the only one that's on this weekend. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I mean, neither team, I think, you'd expect mm. to get beyond... A first-round qualifier. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if they play awfully, then maybe they can sneak into the second round, but they're, neither of them are going too far. But, uh, yeah, let's let's make what we can of it. So, Leash, obviously, before being knocked out of Leinster by Wexford, they'd been on a pretty solid roll. They'd won all their round-robin matches. Mm. They'd prevented getting uh, demoted. So, you know, a solid turnaround for them. And then, Carlo, we saw as well... Not a perfect year. They didn't get promotion to 1B, but they you know, avenged their losses against Antrim this year by finally beating them where it counted in the Christie Ring final. Both teams, solid year, solid momentum. And I think both teams would have would feel like they have a pretty good chance of winning this. Mm. I think, personally, after going for Cardo, obviously, to, to beat Antrim last time, like I'm not sure really. I, like something tells me anyway that Leash really have the advantage in this in terms of I don't know. They seem to you know they play. They've played good teams. They this play year. better teams essentially in the league. Tougher competition. I think that really will serve them really in this match. Like Carlo, they've only played you know two A teams or Christie Ring teams all year. And they beat Antrim, and Antrim don't look like they were particularly convincing either. Yeah, Antrim were fairly flat on the. On the day of the final, 
like, you know, Carlo did a great job against them. Mm. Don't get me wrong, they deserve to win. But Antrim are the toughest team that they've played all year. They haven't played maybe a higher tier team since last year's Leinster Round Robin, and they lost every game in that. You know what, I, I don't think there's a huge amount dividing the teams, but I think just from the experience of year in, year out, playing good teams, yeah. Leash to have the edge in this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Leash as well. You can't totally ignore home advantage either, which... You know, it's, it's not a huge trek for Carlo. Um, I double-checked on a map. I, I checked where Carlo is. They do border leash. I was correct. Uh, it won't be a big trek for them, but... Yeah. Yeah, it'll 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 be nice for leash playing at home. I think it should be theirs to win. Definitely. Not guarantee. Mm. They shouldn't sleep on them by any means, but I'd give leash probably, like, solid 70% chance of winning this one. Yeah, I, I think, look, I think leash should, should win this. I wouldn't say it's for definite. I don't think it's, like... Definite, definite, but like, I think they have a very good chance of doing it. And uh, Pewter would seem to agree. We're all going in on leash. Computer gives them a 59% chance, so maybe not as confident as us, but no uh, no Spirit Line involvement in this one. No, Spirit Line has not come to me in any visions of late. We'll see. Perhaps, perhaps he's abandoned me. If we're wrong and Carlo win, humble pie consisting of scallions, that certainly sounds humble to me. Yeah. We'll see what happens anyway, but um, yeah, I suppose not a lot to talk about in this one because neither team's going to go much further. If they do, that'll be a great story. We'll talk about it then, mm. but uh, I don't think either of us will be holding our breath. Oh, certainly not. I might catch the highlights. But you never know. I think they they may not be world-beating teams, but I think they should be close enough in an ability to maybe deliver an exciting match. I think they should hopefully keep it close, and I think there should still be some good moments in this. I wouldn't expect it to be a horror to watch or anything. Yeah. Okay, so I suppose that's about it, unless you have anything else to add. No, nothing really. Um, I think that's kind of that's kind of all the hurling, hurling banter that I have stored up. If there's anything else that you listeners want us to talk about that we've ignored, you can always contact us through Twitter at TYDatapoints. Or by email at mail at takeyourdatapoints. That's right. We're contactable. Send us your thoughts. Even if they're on stuff like Brexit, wrestling, um, sandwich you had for lunch, whatever. We're not I mean, I can, th- I can actually talk at length about all three of those things if pushed. So, mm. yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah, we're, we're more than ready. It's a learning curve from us. Nobody gave us a chance in hell. I know the, the final result proves that right, but um, 